Hey, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> um, so, um, something you may not know about me, uh, I grew up as part of the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition of Christian faith. And by grew up, I mean, you know, the first 40 years of my life. Um, for those that, uh, that don't know, this, this tradition was marked uh, in the first generation of it uh, by, during the 16th century by those willing to, to follow Jesus and make him known at all costs, even at the cost of suffering or imprisonment uh, or, or even the cost of their own lives. So, so in my teen years, um, I found my parents had this giant book about Christian martyrs called The Martyr's Mirror. Um, and I, I was like, cool, like old book about people who were killed. Um, <laughs> so I started reading it. Um, and it, I, was, I was captivated by the stories of these men and women who were just so um, passionate about following Jesus and making him known that they were willing to suffer and and to die and uh, and I was just I was just you know caught up by that and uh, and I I was so inspired by them I I had a rock band and I named we we named the rock band after one of these guys uh, his name was Reitza Acis and so our band name was Acis and I wish that I had double checked the spelling before making a thousand band stickers. But that's how it goes. Uh, so the spelling was a little off. Um, but but these these types of stories and these these types of Christians they've they've always inspired me. And you know, and I've and I've often you know kind of wondered what is the difference in them that made them willing uh, to to give everything in following Jesus and to make Him known. To, to be willing to give up their, their rights and their freedoms or, or even their lives. Um, like, what, what's the difference in them? Because truth be told, I like my rights and freedoms. Um, I have grown up um, here in Canada in a time and history and country that has shared a lot of Christian values for most of my life. And I've lived in this country that secures freedom of religion as part of the charter. And so I've enjoyed the comfort and the peace and the freedom uh, that such a place and such a charter affords me. But what happens if that changes? Because the reality is that also over the course of my life, I've also watched the values of our culture and our society move farther away from Christian values and move farther away from the way of Christ. Um, and I've seen, I've seen laws change to support these changing values um, so, that the, so that the way of Jesus, which actually benefits people, um, gets replaced with these, with these new practices and permissions and laws that are ultimately harmful to people and to a society. The most recent of these, uh, you may have heard, um, is, uh, is Bill C-4, um, which uh, we've, Pastor Greg has talked about here before. 
um, which rightly bans uh, the use of harmful uh, conversion therapy, but also uh, brands the word of God as a myth and raises concerns for Christian counselors and pastors that we could be prosecuted for counseling people in the sexual ethic that God's word calls us to. And so as Pastor Greg mentioned a few weeks ago in, in a sermon that, um, that I've been tasked with keeping informed um, of some of the implications of the, this bill for us as pastors, and uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago I, I attended um, an interfaith seminar in these matters um, online, and it left me feeling so afraid that I ended up researching the cost of Christian schools for my kids for fear of society whose values and laws are dangerous uh, to us as Christians. And that's not that you can't go to Christian school. It's just that I was being, mo- like, I was, I was just caught up in fear. And this is motive of fear to, like, run and hide from the things that are changing in our culture. And so, uh, but, it, but is that the solution? Is the, is the solution uh, to run and hide? When, when it comes, uh, when it becomes a bigger risk to follow Jesus and to make him known is our response to, to circle the wagons or, or to, to retreat from the world um, is, is, is the solution to, to, be, to become a secret society um, or, or to be like a, a cloistered community like, like, like the monks and, and just to, to retreat from the world. And that's, and that's one temptation. It's just kind of like to, to hide and to let's keep our heads low. Another... Is, uh, is to fight for our rights, to, to seek politicians who share our values and who can install laws in harmony with the way of Christ and who can repeal laws that are hostile to, to the word of God. And, and we see this happen in some places. Um, and, it, and it feels super tempting uh, to want to do this because our charter does guarantee certain rights and freedoms and including religion. And so perhaps... There is a conceivable legal route um, to fight some of these harmful laws. But then I have to ask, is that really the direction that Christ calls us to? If, If I pursue that route, the question I'm asking myself is, am I seeking to be a blessing in that moment? Or would I mostly be fighting for the rights and freedoms that I feel that I'm entitled to? And so what's fun, I think, about our scripture text today is that as I've been processing some of these questions about sharing faith and following Jesus in the midst of concerns about rights and freedoms in a society that isn't following the Lord, we have this passage about sharing faith and following Jesus in a society and a situation that wasn't following Jesus and addresses some issues of rights and freedoms. And so our passage, Acts 4 today, um, it continued the event uh, from last week that Pastor Jonathan shared about when uh, Peter and John they healed a man who was lame in the name of Jesus Christ and then shared with everybody around uh, about Jesus, that he was resurrected from the grave and that, that true hope was, was only found uh, in him. 
And, uh, and, and it's, it's a super fun, super fun moment. And, and then also, uh, as we read, then Peter and John, they're arrested here in Acts chapter 4 for that event. Uh, and they're put in prison overnight because the religious leaders, who are called the Sadducees here, uh, they are concerned about what Peter and John are teaching about Jesus and about the resurrection. Fun fact, the Sadducees, they were part of um, the Jewish religious leadership group um, that was called the Sanhedrin, and they didn't believe in the possibility of the resurrection, which is part of why they were so threatened by this. Um, in, a, in addition, um, there was another group also part of this that was called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were part of the same council. They did uh, believe in the resurrection. And so this, this council of Jewish rulers and leaders is kind of like if you had Baptists and Pentecostals on the same like council kind of ruling an area. Like There's a lot of things they share, but some things they disagree on. Um, and so, so that, that's kind of this, this council. Um, the other fun thing to, to think of is, you know, that perhaps not believing in the hope of the resurrection may have been why they were so sad, you see. <laughs> I've been looking forward to that one all day. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh so, uh, so Acts 4, this is, this is another fun fact. Uh, Acts 4, this is cool, uh, also notes that at, even after Peter and John were, res, were, were arrested, that there's now uh, 5,000 um, men who are now following Jesus. At the end of Acts 2, it's, it's, uh, it's 3,000. And here um, in Acts 4, it's up to, to 5,000, that like 2,000 more people have like come to faith in weeks and through this event. And super Super exciting thing, what, what God is doing here. Um, so the Sadducees, they have Peter and John arrested and held in prison overnight. And the next day, this Jewish ruling council gathers together and they bring Peter and John before them to determine what to do with these two guys who've been preaching about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And verse 6 takes special note to notice that Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, who was former high priest, they were both there. And I'm not always the sharpest knife in the drawer, so I don't always notice uh, brilliant things on my own. Uh, so John Stott pointed this out, and it was a cool aha moment for me, that this council, the Sanhedrin, with the high priest Annas and Caiaphas, is the same council that Jesus stood before weeks before this. It's this council that he was tried before and where he was condemned to die. But not only that, Peter and John were there when this council and this trial happened. They, they came in the courtyard. We know this from the, the Gospels, that, that they were there and they, and they see this happen. And... Um, and Peter is asked in that situation, he's, he's not in where the council is, he's out in the courtyard, and he's asked by some of the servants of the high priest if he even knows Jesus. And he denies it, he's asked three times, and he denies it three times, and in fear and shame, he runs away. This is weeks before. And so, so weeks later now, 
the same guy who previously denied Jesus and ran from this council is arrested and is now talking about Jesus and has to stand trial in front of the very same council and the very same high priests. The, the reversal of these two positions is incredible. It's, it's parallel and yet a powerful reversal. Um, so the council asks, by what power or name did they heal the lame man? And the response from the same guy who weeks ago ran away in fear and shame boldly pro- proclaims to them the name of Jesus before this council, that salvation is found in no one else. So how is it that the guy who ran away, that guy who denied Jesus, is able to mere weeks later stand in front of the same council and proclaim Jesus so boldly? Well, even the Sanhedrin noticed part of the answer to that. In verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I just say that for me, this is one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Peter and John were unschooled, ordinary men. The Greek word for ordinary is, uh, is idiotes. As you can guess, that's where we get our word idiot from. Now, it's not quite as negative in how, how it's meant here, um, but, but it, it, it's referencing, you know, that they're very ordinary, and, and I just love to know that, uh, that someone who is, ex- as someone who is extremely ordinary and, and, and someone who can occasionally be a bit of an idiotes, <clears throat> it, is, it is super hopeful for me to know that Jesus can work through people like me. Like, that's just good news. Um, unlike them, I am schooled, but <laughs> like you'd hardly know, right? Um, and, and so it only highlights how ordinary I am. Because um, even after all that studying and work, I'm just so ordinary. Um, and if you get to know me, you know, I, I can quickly disappoint you and fall short. Um, but that's, that's all the more why this is such good news. Because you and I don't have to be great. We don't have to be amazing. We don't have to be especially skilled. We just have to be with Jesus. Uh, Before COVID, uh, I used to go play badminton um, with some of the guys in my community and some of their friends. Uh, I was easily the worst player there. Another ordinary thing about me. But we would usually play doubles. And so, uh, so a lot of the time, I would often get paired with the best player who was there just to try to even things out in, in, the, in the matches. And there was this guy, Mickey, who would occasionally come. And he was so good. He was so good that any time I was paired with him, I would never lose a match. 
every time. And it wasn't because I was so good. It was about who I was with. And this is one of the things going on with, with Peter and for John. The council were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. It wasn't about how good they were. It was about who they were with or had been with. And have you, have you ever met someone where, you know, where you just have this sense that there's someone who's been with Jesus? Um, I, I used to work uh, with, a, with a Vietnamese pastor um, to a Vietnamese uh, congregation that, that met in the same building with a church that I was a part of. And, uh, and, and we would meet usually like once a month or sometimes a couple times a month to, as pastors to, to share and, and to pray together. And whenever he would pray, he would pray in Vietnamese. I don't speak Vietnamese. I couldn't understand a word he was saying. But every time he would pray, I would get chills down my back and my neck And I just had this sense that here was a guy who had been with Jesus. Here was a guy who in this moment was just communing with his Lord and his friend. And, you know, I I think that, you know, we, it's it's not just like this is, that's that's a a spiritual situation, but even even in in, in non-spiritual situations, you, you, there's, uh, there's ways that we're just influenced by those that we spend time with. Um, and so uh, my, my, I, I used to, to work with my, my brother-in-law, and, um, and he, would, he would laugh at things when he would found something really funny, and it was like, <laughs> classic. That's how he would laugh. And, be, and before... I met him um, and spent all this time with him. I didn't laugh like that. But after a little while, I would be laughing at things, and I would laugh. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I, st- I still do it sometimes. Um, right? And it's, and it's this, this idea that the, the people that we're around, the people that we spend time with, um, have influence on us. And so over time, people could tell that I had been with James. And just as there is a character and a quality that sticks to us from the people around us, there is a character and a quality that sticks to us from the time we spend with Jesus. And the council, the Sanhedrin, could see this character and this quality in the lives of Peter and John through how they spoke, through how they understood scripture, and probably because they had just healed someone in the name of Jesus, just as Jesus had done. Being with Jesus had changed Peter and John in noticeable ways. And it is through being with Jesus that you and I become changed in noticeable ways. Which brings us back to the question I posed earlier. How does... An ordinary person like Peter or John go from being afraid of the ruling council to being able to proclaim Jesus so boldly to them. It's through being with Jesus that they had spent 
hours and hours listening to him and walking with him and learning from him and watching him minister. All that time together shaped them in incredibly formative ways. And even after his resurrection and ascension, they'd spent hours and hours together with each other and with other followers praying to Jesus and praying with these other believers. They were shaped by Jesus through being with him and through being with his followers. And I believe that we are shaped through being with Jesus and through being with his followers. We don't become like him uh, simply through, through saying, I believe in Jesus, and then going back to business and usual in our, in our lives. Instead, we are shaped through being with him. And so that through being with him, that we are then able to face the challenges and opposition that we have in life. To be shaped by Jesus, even as Peter and John were, we have to make time to be with Jesus and his people. But I think that I would be selling you short if I said that that's all it was. As incredible as verse 13 and, and as, is, and as cool as, as it is to, that the council could see this mark of Jesus on Peter and John, I think that the council only sees half the picture. Because Peter had already been with Jesus for three years when he ran away from the council in fear and shame on the night that Jesus was on trial. So what is the difference between that time and this one? What is the change in Peter? Well, verse 8 tells us this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. What the council couldn't see was not only that Peter and John had been with Jesus, but that Jesus was right there with them in this moment. They had been filled with the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. They were not men acting on their own power or on their own might, but were followers of Jesus acting in the power and Spirit of Christ. They declared as much in verse 10 that it is by the name of Jesus Christ the lame man was healed. They were not, uh, they were not changed only by the influence of time with Jesus, but were changed by surrendering of their whole lives to him and being filled with the very presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And so when Peter ran away from the Sanhedrin before Christ's death and resurrection, he was a man influenced by Jesus, but he was not yet a man fully surrendered and filled by Jesus. He was afraid. He was still concerned in that moment more for his own rights and freedoms than he was concerned for no, to follow Jesus and to make him known. The man Peter, who then stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4, was now a man filled with the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit, whose fears and whose rights and whose freedoms were now secondary to the life of following Jesus and making him known. 
which he confirms uh, together with, with John with, with these powerful words in verse 19 and 20, when they ask, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Don't you want to be someone who can't help but speak of what you have seen and heard in Jesus? Don't you want to just be so close to him and so filled with him and know him so well that you just, you just can't help it? And it doesn't matter the context. You just can't help but, but love people so well and, 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 and just want to share Jesus with them. And you don't have to be, uh, yeah, you, to, sorry, uh, to be someone, I, I want to be someone who is more concerned to do what is right in God's eyes than in the eyes of rulers and authorities. And, and that's not to say that we don't, that we don't follow the law. Um, if you've been part of this church for a while, you know we speak about, you know, leadership and, and following uh, rulers and following the law and, and these things. Um, and scripture calls us to this. Um, and, and so not saying, you know, don't follow speed limits and stuff. But, um, but, where, but where the laws of the land differ from Jesus, we're called to follow Jesus. And so don't you wish that you were someone who's less concerned about your own rights and freedoms and more concerned that people come to know and follow Jesus? Because I, I think that's the invitation to us here. That, that Peter and John were less concerned about their own rights and freedoms than they were about loving people in the name of Jesus and making him known. They were arrested for doing po- probably the nicest thing you could do for someone. They had, they had healed him. <laughs> he couldn't walk for 40 years. And they, they healed him in, in Jesus' name. It's the nicest thing you can do. Um, and, then, and then for telling people that it is the resurrected Jesus who's responsible for making all of us whole, including this man who was healed. And the, the problem for those authorities was that Peter and John's source of authority and power and values contradicted the authority and power and values of those who were ruling. But they were also loving people so well, and the power of Christ was so evident in their lives and through what they were doing that the rulers could hardly deny it. And so when I circle back then to something like the changing values in our society and things like Bill C4 today, the temptation, as I said earlier, is to want to shrink back in fear or to demand our own rights and freedoms. But I think the response we're called to is like Peter and John, to proclaim Jesus and to love people in the name of Jesus and in his power so well that people will come to know and love and follow him and that they would come to experience the healing of Christ in their lives, whether physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually or, dare I say, even sexually. The world doesn't change if we shrink back. 
And the world doesn't change, not, not at its heart, I believe, if we focus on demanding our rights and freedoms. The world changes when it encounters the loving power and presence of Jesus Christ through his people. I'm, uh, I'm reading a book right now uh, called Destroyer of the Gods. Um, and it's, uh, it's a nonfiction book um, where the author claims, uh, claims that, that in, uh, in 313 AD, uh, the Roman Emperor Constantine, that's when he legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't simply because he'd come to faith, um, but, uh, but that it was, it was almost the, the move of the culture and, and society of the Roman Empire was, was such. The majority of people in the Roman Empire had already come to faith in Christ by that point, by 313 the majority of people across the Roman Empire. Isn't that incredible? That's the move of God over 300 years to change an empire across miles, large spaces. (laughs) And I I believe that Jesus... (laughs) I believe that Jesus is calling us to the same. Um, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I am probably closer to Peter who ran away from the Sanhedrin than I am to the Peter who boldly proclaimed Christ before them. Because I am ordinary, and I am selfish, and I am easily afraid. But I want to be someone who's ordinary, who Jesus works through, who's part of changing the hearts and lives of people, even one person at a time, to change the world. Don't you want to be part of that? But we don't get there on our own. We don't get there on our own strength or our own abilities or our own skill. We get there by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The invitation is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so badly. And so we've been, we've been doing this um, every, every week, and we've been saying this every week because it's so much the point that we can't do it on our own, that we need the Spirit. And so, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer and, 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 and give, a, give a, a general prayer um, inviting the, the Spirit again into our lives because I believe we need, uh, we need to be uh, uh, filled afresh. There's this, uh, the text isn't clear of this, but when, 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 when Peter is before the Sanhedrin, it's unclear whether they're referring to his previous filling of the Holy Spirit or if he's filled afresh with the Holy Spirit in that moment. I like both, but I also realize I need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit every day. And so I, I invite you um, after, after the, the, the sermon um, and, and, and after I close in prayer here um, and the, the worship team come up. Um, but, uh, you know, but if you're feeling, feeling led to, to pray with, with those around you or to come pray with um, one of the, the pastors or, uh, yeah, just someone around you, uh, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we so much need.
the spirit in our lives to lead us so that we can be people like Peter and John who are able to live a bold faith. So would you pray with me? Yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the incredible work that you do in our lives. That we are, we are ordinary people with ordinary abilities and, and skills. And we, we can't bring about um, the change in our world on our own. We, we can't stand before uh, opposition um, or uh, authorities on our own. Lord, it is so easy uh, to be afraid of a world that is changing around us. It is so easy to want to shrink back uh, in fear. It is, it is so easy to recede into my own small little world where I, I just don't worry about those around me. But Lord, you have more for me and you have more for us. And it is, it is only through, through you that change comes in our hearts and our lives, that change comes in the lives of those around us. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us afresh. That you would, that you would fill us anew and that you would, that you would lead us um, into the, the conversations with, with those around us. That, that you would lead us to, to our friends and, and neighbors and to, to strangers to have conversations, Lord, to, to, to be courageous in sharing about who you are, the, the, the power of who you are in your resurrection, Lord, and for the resurrection that you have for us as we follow you, Lord. I pray that, that you would bring healing um, to our own lives and that, Lord, that you would bring healing um, to, our, to our land. Uh, to our nation, God. That through us, Lord, that our, that our city, that our province, that our nation would come to know you. That we would be those who have a bold faith that is led by the Spirit and does not shrink back. So, Lord, we, we love you. We just ask that, that, you would, that you would lead us out into all that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.